Welcome to Lifting Leaders Podcast, where we are unleashing leader possibilities to make a better world. I'm Crystal Roberts, and together with Trisha Ryan, we're diving deeper into some of the complexities of the world's most critical challenges and exploring innovative ways of navigating through them. Through interviews with experts and leaders just like you, we're exploring what it takes to thrive as a leader today and examining new ways of thinking about how to creatively lead into a more equitable, socially responsible, and sustainable future. And the future starts now. Hi, Trisha. How are you doing today? I'm great, Crystal. How about yourself? I am doing great. I'm living living the life here in this Pacific Northwest and it's raining outside and I'm happy. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. It's this, it's the snuggly time of year is what I call it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yes. Yep. Build a fire, curl up with a good book. You know, there's just something about, I, I don't know, people in other parts of the country may not feel this way, but I do. I love it when I get to start wearing sweaters and when I get to put my coat on. I love all that, you know, getting warm by something else, you know, like by yeah. down or something. It just feels really good. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Yep. So it's a busy time of year. Yes, it is. With the holidays coming coming on the end of the year. So a lot of push to try and make these goals that everybody has set at the beginning of the year. And by the way, as we're trying to make those goals, we're also setting new goals. Yes. So lots of stuff going on. Some of the clients I'm working with, they're in the middle of performance reviews. And we know that is a really stressful time for both employees and leaders, but leaders have a big responsibility there, pulling all that information together and having those conversations. Sometimes they can be kind of tough. And we, we've still, we've had this experience of working with people who are just still really exhausted Mm -hmm. from a lot of different things, but still recovering, I think from the pandemic and all that that took from people. I think that is just so true. And I I see that a lot these days. You know, people are trying to rise to the occasion. I mean, we're we're getting into holidays here, right? And and they're trying to rise to the occasion with that, but they're tired. And they're not just tired about work. They're tired about everything, you know? And so it it adds a, a whole different dimension to a leader's role that they have to try and figure out how to keep people going with all this stuff that they're juggling right now, right? Right. Yeah. And that's a big responsibility for leaders. And so when we saw this article come through, we saw a lot of people sharing it on LinkedIn. So we thought we'd take a little pause ourselves today and to talk about that. How do you re-energize a depleted team? And so Mm. the article that, that has been going around is from HBR. Uh, It's a November 18th, 2022 article called Six Ways to Re-Energize a Depleted Team by Ron Carucci and Kathleen Hogan. And when we read through this, we really saw that that there's some real truth to this. And so we're going to share some of the things that they've brought out along with some of the experiences that we have had regarding how to energize teams when they're feeling down. And we're going to talk about it from both the perspective of being in person and also those workers that are still working from home. Mm -hmm. So we know that there's a lot of similarity, but also differences there as well. Yeah. And, you know, I would say that we always seem to talk about those as if they're two very different audiences. And I guess they really are. They are still employees and they're all 
they're all um, producing and they're all, you know, putting forth their effort every day, whether they are on screen or whether they are at, at work. And in some cases on screen can be a lot harder. So yeah, it's, um, I'm glad that we're talking about this today. Yeah. And actually, before we jump into the article, I wanted to just have us explore a little bit about where we're feeling where we're at right now. I would say that for me, it is a time of a little exhaustion. I'm looking forward to taking a little bit of time off at the end of the year, which also we are going to take a little bit of time off with the podcast. We'll be back in January, though. You can find us then. We have one more podcast to drop the following Monday. But I would say that I'm feeling at this moment very energized. And that has to do with a conversation, a very inspiring, energizing conversation that we just had. Trisha and I actually went to lunch. Yes. <laughs> and we thought, well, let's just get out of the get out of our little um, office or studio and let's prep for this recording over lunch and have a little fun doing that. And that helped energize me. But we also met two incredible people, Lisa and Sean, from Hops and Drops in Lake Taps, Washington. Hopefully you're listening out there, Lisa and Sean. So shout out to you. What incredible people, great customer service, so passionate about what they do, and just very purpose-driven. So it was just such a great conversation, and we wanted to thank you for inspiring us and bringing us energy. It really was inspirational. I had so much fun. I thought we were having fun having lunch, but we had <laughs> a lot of fun. As soon as Sean came to the table, Lisa was wonderful. She she was um, working on a contest that they're doing in their in the restaurant, and um, and we bought into the into the game of the contest. And um, she took uh, a moment and asked her boss if he would come over and talk to us, her manager. And he came over and we just started talking about what we do, but he started talking about what he does and what his organization does. And it was so encouraging and inspiring to hear him talk about what he was talking about in terms of leaders and, and how what their philosophy is. It was just, it was wonderful. It just made my heart full. You know? Yeah. It was yeah. great. Absolutely. And I really felt like a lot of what we're going to be talking about in this article is stuff that they're actually doing. Yes. So, so talk um, about wonderful representation for their organization, yeah. right? Absolutely. Oh my gosh. Yeah, absolutely. And so thanks again, Lisa and Sean. Thank you. So in this article, the very first thing that they talk about in order to energize a depleted team is to initiate purpose-driven career conversations. What the article says is, the last two years have unleashed a hunger for deeper meaning from our work. People want to know they're on a path of growth and opportunity for greater impact. And I think that that's really true. People are really have taken that pause and they're really thinking about what's the impact that I want to make there's a sort of a renewed sense of the purpose in life and how can my work help fulfill that purpose in life. Mm, yes, and and we've seen that in this great resignation that we keep hearing about, right? People leaving their jobs because they were not feeling fulfilled or they were not feeling that there was a direction that 
or they didn't see themselves being in that same kind of a job in the future and having the fulfilling life that they that they want. And so, um, and more power to people who are going out there and, and re-exploring or exploring new and different things, you know? And so this idea of, you know, where do I want to be? If you're not resigning, where do I want to be? That question doesn't go away, whether you're going away or whether you're not going away, right? So I love the idea of, of looking at somebody, um, somebody's purpose-driven career direction. So, you know, what is it that you aspire to be? What are those things that, that matter to you? What do you want to, where do you see yourself in a couple of years, you know? Yeah. That kind of conversation helps employees feel that somebody cares about them at their work. They're not just coming in for a paycheck, right? Yeah, yeah. So and leaders have such an important role in this. And we know that sometimes these are really tough conversations for employees to bring up. And so a leader, by making it just kind of a routine part of the conversation, mm -hmm. having that conversation about where do you want to go next? What's important to you in your career? And where's your strengths? I was thinking that this has a great connection to the podcast we did several sessions ago around love and work and the Marcus Buckingham work, yes. that spending some time understanding where your employee has strength and how they can apply that and have the biggest impact really matters. I like that over um, saying, where do, what do you want to do? What, what is the job you want to hold in a few years? That to me is too confining. You know, if you're talking about where are your strengths and what makes your heart sing, what are the things that you get excited about? Where do you lose track of time? Yeah. You know, that's where you find out what really makes a person tick. You know, what are the things that make them happy? And once you do that, it doesn't have to be a defined job necessarily. If you can find nuggets within your own job or opportunities and bring those to the employee and, and or devise them with the employee, it can make a job, no matter what the job is, whether they're tired or de-energized, whatever you want to call it, you can turn that around as long as you're appealing to that person's passions a little bit, right? Yeah. What makes them happy. Yeah. Yeah. That passion helps energize them. Yes. Yeah. I can remember times in my career where that was so true, where you're doing a job that you may not particularly enjoy. And then either, <laughs> usually for me, I swear it was more by happenstance than about strategy or a manager who actually re reached down and said, well, what do you want to do next? Mm -hmm. But Nevertheless, being able to do something and move into something that gave me more passion definitely re-energized me. And sometimes that means actually connecting with new people as well, and that's energizing too. You know, that I have to give you a little kudos for that because I have to say that, you know, when I came to work for you, one of the things I noticed was that without a, a clearly defined role. I mean, you had a role, but you were in a kind of an interim role. And without that clearly defined role, you were able to find nuggets in that role that that made you happy. And that in itself kind of redefined a role or made a new definition. And you, I noticed for the five years that I worked with you that every year there seemed to be more and more things that appealed to your heart or appear, appealed to you. Yeah. And kind of fed or read into your direct the direction you wanted to go and yet you were doing exactly what the business needed you to do so I mean to me that is a possibility yeah right? yeah well 
and quoting some of the Marcus Buckingham work, over 70% of people actually say, yes, I have some opportunity Mm -hmm. to actually mold the work I'm currently doing into something that is more aligned with my strengths and my passion. And so the leader's job is to open up that conversation and talk about it and, and to support them in that movement. And that's, you know, I, I don't want to keep us on this particular topic forever, but it is important to note that, you know, people come to work because there's a job for them. And there may be a job definition, there may be that job description that kind of defines what your work is. But I don't know anybody in business who has ever worked their job definition or their job description exactly as it was written, because there's so much more to work than that. So, you know, those are those essential things that you need to cover when you're in a job. But there are so many more things that you can bring into your role that can enrich the, the organization and make it an enriching job for the person who's in it, right? It can yeah. be very engaging to have a job that may seem like, you know, day in, day out, same kind of stuff. But if you can infuse something that you're interested in and it's and it actually helps the business, it's going to make you feel 10 times more valuable in your own head and certainly will look that way to others too. So for a leader, it's really that, you know, going past the job description, what is it within, you know, within this role that we can do to make this worth your time, right? Yeah, absolutely. So the second one is to create team rituals that foster mutual care and belonging. And what's interesting about this one, I think, is they say that leaders who create team rituals ensure they aren't exclusively responsible for replenishing team energy. And this is huge. When I'm working with and coaching leaders, they feel this huge responsibility around that energy and the team wellness. And while, yes, it's definitely an accountability of theirs, they need to create the culture, it doesn't fall always then on their shoulders that Mm -hmm. the team members need to hold each other up and help with that energy as well. It's absolutely true. And when you think about um, how... You know, traditionally, employees and leaders look at each other. It's not, it's not a given that an employee is going to trust that they can, you know, whatever the leader gives them is something that is going to be right for them. Often it is talking amongst yourselves, right, it, team members or, or coworkers, that you're going to find that what you need in the conversation I think for leaders to think that that is on them, that's not what they joined for, actually. I mean, yes, it's not just that job description. Again, for leaders, it's much bigger than that. But we don't want them to ever feel, I hope, I wouldn't want a leader to ever feel that they were responsible for my mental well-being or for, you know, it's partly up to me, right? In fact, it's very much (laughs) up to me. Yes. Um, But at the same time, I would want the support if I needed it. And I think in that sense, a leader does have a role to, you know, make sure that if a roadblock is there, that maybe that roadblock gets cleared so that a person can do what they need to do to feel better or recover or whatever, right? Yeah. So when they implement these team rituals, it brings the team closer together, sort of bonds the team together. And that makes it a better place to work. People want to be there. They, they take care of each other more. They 
are more vulnerable in in sharing with each other because they feel safe. They can share kind of the ups and downs of life, both at work and outside of, of work. Some of those team rituals, you know, and these can be both in person and virtual. You can do these for both. One thing that that I always do is a as a two word check in, and oftentimes we'll do a two word check out, especially mm-hmm. when we're working with teams. And it's really interesting to hear the difference between those two word check ins and the two word check out. No question. Yes. Yeah. I use the same thing in my team coaching, and I really, really love it. I'm actually, I've started using it in individual coaching, and it's working very well as well. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Another thing that people can do is to share something that they're grateful for. And that sort of starts that team interaction on a positive note, and that that works really well. You can even share something about somebody else on the team, maybe something that you appreciate about the person on the team. One question that I've used before also, which kind of brings up some interesting things, is what is a strength that you inherited or a talent that you inherited from your parents? I love that. (laughs) So you can come up with all kinds of different things and creative things to do. Sean was sharing with us that one thing that they do that's a ritual is a check-in with the the leader. The leader checks in and checks out every day with their staff as they come in for shifts and leave. And I thought, wow, that's actually really powerful. And can you imagine if every leader did that, did a check-in, even if it's just quick, a hello, how are you doing, and said goodbye. Exactly. And you know, the point of all that is it's it's not just to find out where people are at the moment, but it's to get everybody in the moment. Yes. It's to, it's to bring them into the present. So if somebody's coming in and they've had a flat tire and they had to rush to work and, and it's raining and they left their coat at home, and I mean, there's like all these little things, right? The alarm clock didn't go off, whatever. They might be coming in a little bit harried, right? And a little yeah. bit like frazzled. But having that moment and having your boss sit with you for a second and say, so how are you showing up today? How's, how's it going? You know, it gives them a moment to regroup. It gives them a second to, to talk about what the, you know, what the issue was of the morning. And then they can let it go. Yeah. Sometimes we just need to say something out loud and we can let it go, right? And yeah. so that's just a wonderful practice. And then to say, how are you leaving at the end of the day? Or, you know, how, how was your day? What did you feel most proud of? Who, who does that? I think that's <laughs> just amazing. I love that. Yeah, yeah, it was great. So third is help build a portfolio of diverse relationships. I thought that was really interesting. So what they're posing here is that that interaction with others that are not in your team actually generates new ideas and energy from that learning about somebody else's job. And that can be both people that you work with that are kind of upstream or downstream from your work, or it can be actually something like a cross-functional team that's maybe working on a corporate initiative, but it's that exposure to new people and new learning. You know, and this goes back, I think, to what Marcus Buckingham wrote about, you know, um, how when you're doing something that you really love doing, 
that you lose track of time or you have more energy and and at the after you've done it you have more energy right yes right and when you get a chance to share what you do so well with somebody else in another department or another team it you're going to put forth the things that you're proud of most you know or you're going to you're going to take the time to really explain what it is that makes your job important right and so that in itself is a great way to re-energize somebody for a while they get to share their work with somebody else and they get to maybe do the same thing with that person so that person can that just that inner connectedness or that exchange is is so engaging I think for people and it's wonderful for the organization because they have people who really have a better sense of what's going on around them yeah yeah absolutely you know what's interesting about that too is I absolutely love that's one of the things I love about coaching mm-hmm. is the ability to actually get to work with people who are very different than I am. People that are, you know, operations people, people who deal with customers, people who are caring for animals, Mm -hmm. like all different kinds of work all over the world. And I find that to be super energizing. Yeah. Yeah, there isn't, I don't think there's a better job, (laughs) at least (laughs) not in my, yep. (laughs) So next is model being okay with not being okay. And I feel like this um, this is a saying or sort of a motto that came up a lot, I think, during the pandemic, that it's okay to not be okay. Mm-hmm. And what this, this article is saying is that it's really important for us as leaders to model the way around this to – be the ones who are taking care of ourselves and showing others how that can be done. So it's the classic. I was just having this conversation with a client the other day about how important it is, yes, for them to say, please take care of yourself. Please go home at a reasonable hour. Don't come to work sick, all of that sort of thing. But if they're actually showing up sick, if they're actually working 12 hours a day and sending emails at midnight, their team, while they might hear what you say, they're not going to follow it because mm-hmm. obviously it doesn't really matter. It, it It's not what you support because that's not what you're doing. It's so important to model the way on this one. You know, and that's a it's not a real fine line, but it is a fine line in a sense for, especially when you talk about the email thing. I know a lot of leaders who email on weekends and after hours, because that's the only time when they really have a chance to look at their email all day. They're in meetings, meeting after meeting after meeting. And so when they're doing that, and their employees are in their work, doing their job all day long, maybe in meeting after meeting after meeting as well. Yeah, but they get their emails done during the day, when they start noticing that the emails are coming in from leaders after hours, they may feel compelled to do after hour work, which is not feeding into any kind of well-being. What it's doing is it's actually doing the opposite. Yeah. And so it's really important that, you know, leaders consider when they when they're doing an email at eleven thirty at night, I've seen that done. Lots. Right? And two o'clock in the morning even, you yeah. know. So when that happens, there's a an unwritten expectation within the head of the person who's reading it that, wow, maybe I should maybe I should be getting up earlier or maybe I should be staying in my job later. Maybe I should be checking my email at night. You know, and that 
that isn't helping. <laughs> That's going exactly doing exactly the opposite of what we're talking about here, which is, you know, use self-care for yourself as a leader. You know, you really need to make sure you're taking care of yourself and and sharing what you're doing can be very engaging for other people too. It's just like, wow, I didn't even think about that, you know. Yeah. Sometimes you need a nudge. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. And I think the other thing that the the article was saying is that it's okay to to acknowledge and be vulnerable about our own struggles uh, with wellness. So recognizing, yeah, it's not easy to do that. It's not easy to try and hold boundaries. Um, it's not easy to have an exercise routine every day or to eat healthy food when you're not feeling like doing that. Mm -hmm. So having an open conversation and being vulnerable about that, it's not that this is easy but this is a path that hopefully, you know, we've chosen as leaders to try and be a model that way. But we don't have to be perfect. We're human. No, you know, I, I'll just say one more thing on this. And it was, we have a, a leader that um, I've known at least for the last five years. And one thing that, you know, he may not always be available because he travels a lot, but during times when he notices that his team is getting overwhelmed, he'll do things like having stretch exercise um, sessions on the roof of the building or, you know, <laughs> something like that. Just get people away from their work for a little while. Take a walk and he'll walk with them. And to me, there's just something pretty priceless about that. It's not that you need your CEO to be with you every day taking a walk, but he's encouraging something healthy in an environment where you may not feel like it is, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think the other one on that, which I thought was pretty important, was to, if, if there are wellness benefits um, and, and you're using those or you've used them as a leader, to, to go ahead and, and to share that. Um, if you're comfortable. So I know many occasions I've talked about my use of the employee assistance program and how that has helped me. I didn't share what I actually called them for, but people hearing that, hey, it's not a scary call to make and they're friendly people on the other side of the phone and they're actually available 24-7. So if it's on the weekend and I feel like I need some extra support for whatever, dealing with my teenager, whatever, um, that they're there. So just kind of making it less uh, less scary around accessing some of these benefits, I found that to be super helpful. And that's the thing, you know, we have these benefits, but if people don't know that it's not only okay, it's encouraged that you yeah. use them. They are benefits after all, right? You're, in, you're entitled to that. Yeah, yeah. So. All right. So next is swap productivity paranoia for helpful prioritization. <laughs> I just like the way that one sounded. So in the article, they talk about how Microsoft surveyed 20,000 people in 11 countries and analyzed trillions, trillions of Microsoft 365 productivity signals for its latest work trend index. And one of the most significant findings was the mismatch between the degree to which employees are working more than ever and the degree to which managers struggle to trust that em employees are, in fact, being productive. Mm -hmm. So this really has to do with that move away from people working in the office and 
working than working from home. And there's a couple of stats in here I thought I'd share. Um, 85% of leaders say that the shift to hybrid work has made it challenging to have confidence that employees are being productive, resulting in that productivity paranoia. Uh, but the data offers no support for such lost confidence. 87% of employees report being very productive as evidenced by a colossal increase in meetings, 153%. Yeah. The volume of multitasking and the expansion of work hours overall. So this is this is a challenge. Mm-hmm. It is, but you know, there have been studies even in this short period of time that we've since you know since the pandemic started and people started working from home. A lot of people started working from home. That um, it has been dispelled over and over again. Businesses are finding that they are as productive and in some cases more productive than they were before because people are on from the minute they get up almost until they, you know, till they leave. And, and we're finding that a lot of people who work remotely are actually working longer hours. They're in meetings all day long and they've got to have time to get their work done. And so what they're doing is they're in the meetings, they're multitasking, but they're also doing a lot of that stuff after meeting or they're coming in early and getting some work done before their day starts. And it's, it's not that we want people working more and more hours, but the productivity hasn't taken a huge dip unless you are a business that required everybody to be in house because it's a production, you know, something where you're producing something. But uh, for the most part, people who have been able to effectively work from home are not being less productive. And so it's almost, um, it's almost old hat in a way, I think, to think that, that for leaders to think that they can't trust that their people are being productive because unless they've really seen a huge drop in their, their own results, it's probably not happening, you know? Yeah. And they're, what they're opposing here is that one of the solutions to this is to really help employees understand what the priorities mm-hmm. are because oftentimes they're feeling overwhelmed. And, you know, this would be true anytime. Mm-hmm. That That's a really important role of a leader. And they say that 81% of employees say they could benefit from more help prioritizing their workloads, but only 31% say they've ever received useful guidance from managers in doing so. And boy, we see this a lot. Mm-hmm. Everything is urgent. Everything is important. You get 600 Slack messages a day. You're getting them while you're in meetings, um, while you're trying to get other work done when you're outside of a meeting. It's this sense of urgency that everything's important all the time. Well, and if everything is given to you through email or a chat, right? You're not getting the emotion behind it. You're not finding out whether this is just something that's nice to think about and maybe we might want to do in the future or it's something that needs to be done right this minute. So unless it comes right out and says that. But at that point, I think it really is upon, it's it's incumbent upon the employee to go to their leader 
and ask for some help in prioritizing their work. And there's nothing wrong with that. We all have a lot of priorities on our, on our plates these days. And so there is a point where you may get a little confused. I, as an employee, may get a, confused about which one should I do first? I mean, they all seem to have deadlines that are close and which one means the most to my boss right now. So I need to find that out. So if it hasn't been communicated beforehand, if an employee and a manager can have, or a leader can have that conversation and the employee could say, look, at these are the priorities I have in front of me right now. And I'm, I'm feeling a little uncertain about which one is most important to be working on right now, because they all seem to have a pretty close deadline. And that conversation can be really fruitful. That can be something that becomes a regular occurrence, you know, where you, you probably wouldn't have to worry about whether people are getting things done if you know that the right priorities are being worked at at the right time, basically. And and it gives the employee that information so there's no guesswork involved. It's a great way to keep people engaged. Yeah, I think it's the engagement and that engagement brings the energy. So that's, that's what they're saying here is you'll create positive energy as people become more engaged in purposeful work Mm -hmm. that provides meaning, that's the priorities, rather than banal activities that attempt to justify their value to you. So as people are trying to do to do work that is just about justifying the amount of time. So the last one is watch for signs of flourishing and intervene when it's waning. Mm. So ultimately, every organization needs to define for itself what an energized and flourishing workforce looks like and identify the signals. So that's the measurement piece. Identify the signals that indicate whether things are trending as desired. You can find important clues in the routine interactions of your team. For example, what kinds of questions do people ask in your team meetings? Mm. Are they curious? Are they asking to learn? Or do they have a twinge of cynicism or a compliant? How are people talking about their challenges? With a sense of empowerment and agency or with a sense of resentment and futility? Mm. Yes, that, and I think we've both seen both of those things, right? Um, there are times when the routine gets to be, you know, unattractive for people. They get tired of that same old, same old, right? And you're right. In in a, you could be in a team meeting, and if somebody's really that bored, and things are not, you know, they're not feeling like anything is moving them forward in their career or or even as a team that they're coming to some kind of positive closure, you might start hearing that cynical, you know, so when are we supposed to have this done? You know, and, and that it, it becomes almost a an argument in the making, right? Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have to go there. It doesn't have to get that far, you know? Yeah, yeah. So they also talk about um, a measurement called employee thriving, which is defined as empowered and energized to do meaningful work. Mm, I loved that yes. definition. So we want to make sure we're taking the pulse of the organization. Do we have some kind of tools out there? Do we have an engagement survey? Do we have a thriving survey? Do we have some way to get feedback from employees around how they're doing? Mm-hmm. So that's kind of at a meta level. And then also just the day-to-day, just making sure that we're paying attention to how people are showing up. So really taking a moment. If we notice that maybe somebody who normally is on time to work every day um, or 
comes to work looking very professional. And then all of a sudden they start showing up late to work or maybe they're they're looking like they're not taking good care of themselves. Then just pause, take a moment and ask, how are things going for you? Yes. And show some empathy. It takes me it makes me think about the conversation we just had with Sean. You know, and and we were talking about it earlier where he checks in with his folks at the beginning yep. and at the end of the day. And that's a great place. That's a great time to find out how people are doing. And, you know, if you do that regularly, it becomes the routine. It becomes something that people are not afraid of. They don't have to worry that this is going to go somewhere, that, you know, why do you want to know, that kind of thing. This is, it becomes that um, it's almost a friendly, yes, my boss cares about me and I want to tell him how I'm doing and I want to do the best work I can while I'm here. You know, to me, that's, that's, um, there's, that's the beauty in that kind of a relationship, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's the, it's what the routine is. Mm-hmm. It's like, this is the way we do things around here. It's the culture that you're creating. Exactly. Yeah. That's what people can count on. Yeah. So yeah. just to review These are the six things to re-energize a depleted team. Initiate purpose-driven career conversations. Create rituals that foster mutual care and belonging. Help build a portfolio of diverse relationships. Model being okay with not being okay. Swap productivity paranoia for helpful prioritization. Watch for signs of flourishing and intervene when it's waning. I found these to be really helpful. We can see in our best leaders that these things are part of the culture that they're creating every day. And we also know that leaders, while it's their accountability to create these cultures, it isn't all on their shoulders. No, it shouldn't be. Yeah. No. Workers, they need to take responsibility, personal responsibility as well. But leaders can show the way and model the way. That's right. And I mean, you can, you've heard the expression, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. And that's really true. I mean, you can, you can offer and you can model the way and you can offer the resources, advice and support that um, other people may need. And if they need it, they'll take it. And if they don't, that's okay. Right. So, yeah, I think this is um, another way to give you some confidence that you're on the right track with your with your team. And, you know, I love that these articles come out every once in a while. I would challenge any of our leaders that are listening to, you know, take stock, you know, look around you in your organization and see where there are leaders who are doing just this, you know, and say, you know, what what are you noticing about them? What are you noticing about their teams? You know, and and then, you know, reflect on that and see if there's anything that look at yourself, see how your team is doing. And and if you see that there's something you might want to tweak or something you might want to try, throw it out to the team and yeah. you know, let them know what you're trying to do. That is called vulnerability and that is a really strong leadership trait. Absolutely. That's wonderful. Yeah. So let's keep the conversation going. If you have questions or comments about the show, you can find us on all our social media channels at lifting underscore leaders. There's so many exceptional podcasts coming up more with fantastic guests. So be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple podcasts or wherever you listen. If you know someone 
who would find this episode inspiring, share it with them, text them, email them, or take a screenshot and share it on your Instagram and tag us at lifting underscore leaders. If you'd like to know more about us, our guests, or the show, please go to our website at liftingleaderspodcast.com. You'll find show notes there as well, and we'll put a link to this article there. If you're looking for help in developing your leaders or would like a growth opportunity yourself through leader coaching, please contact us through our website at www.liftingleaderspodcast.com. Thank you to Ari Chance Roberts for his technical support of our show. Lastly, please subscribe to our podcast. It's free. Thank you, Trisha, for co-hosting with me. Thanks so much, Crystal. This was fun. Thanks again to Lisa and Sean for inspiring us yes, today. Yes, thank you, thank you. <laughs> and thanks to all of our audience for listening. Find ways every day to lift each other up. Have a fantastic week. Take care. Hey!